0: Well, good morning. Welcome again to the Calling Community Church. We're so excited that you came to worship with us today. Uh, we were just thinking about this earlier, that school is about ready to start, or it's getting close. Any parents excited about that in the room? Just a few parents can readily admit that they're excited <laughs> about school getting ready to start. Well, as a school, as a church that meets in the school, that's one of the things that we love to do is be able to pray for and bless what's going on right here in this building all throughout the year. So we're going to be doing that here in the next couple of, of weeks. Well, we're excited to hear. If you have a bulletin, make sure you take that bulletin out. And in that bulletin, there is a little piece that tears off. And so we encourage everyone that's here today to take that out, fill it out, one per family, and let us know uh, who's all here with you to, for attendance purposes. And then if you're a guest or visitor and you want to leave us your information, uh, that would be great too let's say, well, I don't really want to give them all my information, but please let us know that you're here. Write down your name and how many people came with you, and that helps us just track each week. And then if you do give us your information, we'll follow up with you and just say thank you for being here. There are, uh, on the back side of that piece of paper, there's also a way to, to ask for prayer. And we do believe in the power of prayer. Matter of fact, a few weeks ago... We gathered here, we gathered a few of us over here on this side of the sanctuary to pray for our nation. We gathered over here to pray for Landon, our precious little Landon, uh, four years old. Right now, as we speak, Landon is in remission. There, let's, can I get an amen? All right. So, so which means that he'll still continue going through treatment. The next few treatments won't be as harsh, but right now there are no cells in his body that should not be there all right so amen power prayer now if you committed to praying and fasting for land and that doesn't mean you're off the hook you're like oh man awesome i can eat again or i can drink it whatever no keep praying keep fasting until they say this little boy is healed he doesn't need any more treatment and so we're going to pray and that happens so a few things in the bulletin let you know about some information about trevor and darla just just continue to pray for them as they travel on to do ministry all, wherever God calls them to, to be. This Tuesday night, some members of our church are going to be at the First Baptist Church, and we're going to be serving a meal to families here in this community. And uh, just so some of you understand, the families that are, that are being ministered to are actually families that are involved in the, um, uh, the Division of Family Services, families that are kind of in crisis, that need some encouragement and support. And we, as the body of Christ, get a chance to be a part of helping them uh, parent better and just be encouraged as parents. And so we are going to be serving a meal Tuesday night at the Baptist Church, and we're going to be watching children. And if you think, well, maybe it's too late for me to get involved, probably not. But you will need to see Trish. Raise your hand down here. you got to see Trish today, though, so she can make sure if you're going to help with kids, we got to make sure you have a background check done so that when we, t- when we go to the- to help there, we're They know that we're secure and everything's good to go. So that information is kind of a couple opportunities to minister to our community through the back to school fair and through uh, Pear Day, which is out at the uh, Fort Leavenworth. And actually, we have a young couple that are here today that they're here in the city now because of this training school that the military has over there. CGSC, I believe, is what it's called. It's a year long program. And so as a church, we want to reach out. We want to love on those families while they're here for this period of time so we can send them out well as they go on to their next station. So if you want to come and volunteer with me that day and hang out, that would be great. All kinds of information in the bulletin you can take a look at. You can all read, right? If you cannot read, we'll have a special class later on for you, just for you. But I'm sure all of you can read. Well, let's pray. As, uh, as Pastor Brady, another Brady, is going to come and share this morning. We are on the series of the... Uh, The purpose-driven life, and we have gone through worship, we've gone through uh, fellowship and discipleship, and now today we're going to be talking about ministry. And I've seen Brady minister, I've seen him minister to families, to individuals all throughout the city, all over the world, and he is gifted in this this teaching of being able to teach you about ministry, and he's going to challenge you today. So like I always say when Brady preaches, put your seatbelts on, ladies and gentlemen, and get ready to go. So let's pray. Father, uh, just I know because we're human and we live in this world that there is a lot of hurt that is represented in this, in this crowd this morning. We come today with uh, heavy hearts because of situations in our families. Uh, we come also rejoicing because of, of the news that we heard about Landon and other, uh, other things that we've heard just even this week. of People who have lost a job and then the next day God gave them another one and, and just on and on and on. And Lord, we thank you for the ministry that happens, the, the, the hands and feet of Jesus that, that we can be in, a, not only in this community, but throughout the world. We thank you for Brady. We thank you for his, his passion for you, Lord Jesus. He's got a spiritual fervor that is, um, it's something that, uh, that can be, um, something we can catch and take with us as we walk away today. I pray that you'd speak through him. I pray that we would not only hear it with our ears, we'd apply it with our hands and our feet. We praise you in Jesus name. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Thank you all for coming today. Thank you for receiving me. It's an honor to be here. It's always an honor to get to share God's Word. I have a lot of material I want to cover today. I've got it kind of broken down in five different areas. And I'm going to show you an outline. I rarely use a PowerPoint because, frankly, it can become a bit distracting to me. But I'm going to show you anyway so that you can kind of see the areas we're going to cover. You all know I like, for those of you who've heard me preach, you know I like to share a lot of Scripture. I'm going to paraphrase quite a bit of the Scripture today because I have a lot. And I would encourage you to, in your notes to write down the Scriptures that I refer to. So that in your own time, you can look them up as well. Let's pray again. Thank you, Jesus, for this day. Your word reminds us that we are blessed when we have eyes to see and ears to hear the truth. I pray, Lord, that you would empower me by your Holy Spirit to preach this word. And you would empower those who are listening today to receive it. I believe that every time your word is preached, you have something for all of us. And I know that you have spoke many things to my heart as I've prepared this sermon. In Jesus' name, amen. This, This topic has been kind of resounding in my heart for over a few months, and so I was excited when Brady asked me to preach on this topic. I want to begin today with a passage about the wicked it's found in Isaiah 59 6-9 through nine. I will share this entire scripture their works are works of iniquity and deeds of violence are in their hands their feet run to evil they are swift to shed innocent blood their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity Desolation and destruction are in their highways. The way of peace they do not know. And there is no justice in their path. They have made their roads crooked. No one who treads upon them knows peace. Therefore justice is far from us. And righteousness does not overtake us. We hope for light and behold darkness. We hope for brightness but we walk in gloom. Now that passage of scripture was written several thousand years ago, but it's interesting how that is so applicable to today. If you turn on the TV or read the newspaper or get on the internet, you see what we get, are living out what I just read are we not many walk in gloom today it's interesting during the election time there's a lot of talk about this subject I have a question for you today are you waiting for someone to change the world perhaps an election a medical research institute a benevolent billionaire, a state-run lottery, the dream of a job that might come your way, the chance to learn and grow and apply your gifts to provide for yourself and your loved ones a bright future? Are you waiting? What are you waiting for to change this world? Reinhard Bonnke said that one one of the best ways to waste your life is to think that here and now is all that there is. I'm going to repeat that. One of the best ways to waste your life is to think that here and now is all that there is. What will it take to fix this world we live in? I had the opportunity to open for uh, the political analyst Laura Ingram a few years ago when she came to Kansas City and they wanted a local businessman to speak and her flight was running late I was supposed to just speak for about five minutes and they told me that her flight was running about an hour late and could I speak for 45 minutes to an hour which for those of you who know me that's not very difficult (laughs) but I spent most of that time talking about Jesus, life and death, heaven and hell the world that we live in it's need for a savior. And it's interesting because she didn't hear any of my speech. She showed up right before I was finishing. I got the privilege to introduce her. She spoke for about 30 minutes. And after she got done speaking, someone asked her that question. Laura, we live in difficult times. What will it take? remind you, I was, this was a secular crowd. We were in a bar. But you know what her answer was? We need more evangelists. We need more servant people serving the Lord. I was so proud of her that day. I can't even tell you. I wanted to do jumping jacks and give her a big old high five. In fact, at the end of the thing, I did. <clears throat> Anybody familiar with the poet Henry Wadsworth Longfellow? Now, I, just a, a, a escape clause here. I'm not a poet, and I don't pretend to be versed at poetical interpretation. But he was a famous American author and poet. He lived between 1807 and 1882. Ripe old life. And one of the poems that he wrote, which is fairly famous, is called "The Arrow and the Song." You know, the first time I ever heard this poem, it was depressing to me. It was depressing to me, but it was very profound. It was profound because it describes the plight of much of humanity. And he said this, I shot an arrow into the air. It fell to the earth I knew not where. For so swiftly it flew, the sight could not follow in its flight. I breathed a song into the air, it fell to the earth I knew not where. For who has sight so keen and strong that it can follow the flight of a song? And he closes by saying, long, long afterward, in an oak I found the arrow still unbroke. At the song from the beginning to end I found again in the heart of a friend. My interpretation of this pretty well stopped after the first stanza. The part that really struck out to me when I first heard this was the thought of just kind of randomly shooting an arrow in the air with no target. Just Number one, it's kind of dangerous. I mean, if you all are hunters, if you just take a rifle and shoot it up in the air, you don't know where that bullet's going to go. If you take an arrow and shoot it up in the air, you don't know where it's going to land either. The plight of humanity is this. Most people see their lives that way. Something random. Maybe they devise their own target. But just kind of this arrow that is shot up into the air, not knowing where it's going, no true purpose. It didn't even hit its target, you know. It hit an oak tree and it sat there for years and years, supposedly. Let's compare that to what a great preacher said, Oswald Chambers. Posthumously, one of the greatest devotionals ever written was a collection of his teachings that his wife put together. He was born in 1874 and died in 1917. He didn't live as long as Wadsworth did. But his teachings in his, his words were have had an impact for generations. That book that he's written has been on the desk of many presidents, many world leaders, many young budding ministers. If you don't own My Utmost for His Highest, I recommend that you buy it. I recommend that you read it every day, it's profound. I've started a lot of devotionals but not been able to stick to them because most of them I feel are too surfacy and not very impactful. But this one, I can read one of his entries and I'm thinking about it a week later. Here's what he said. He's talking about a bow and arrow as well. He's had a saint's life in the hands of God like a bow and arrow in the hands of an archer. God is aiming at something the saint cannot see. But our Lord continues to stretch and strain, and every once in a while the saint says, I can't take any more. Yet God pays no attention. He goes on stretching until his purpose is in sight. Then he lets the arrow fly. Entrust yourself to God's hands is the point of that teaching. And that's an excerpt from that devotional, from that message that day. It's not the entire teaching, but it's the part that I wanted to point out. It's about perseverance. But I think it's very applicable here. You see, you're not an accident Your life is not an accident. You're not this random person that has this random purpose if you are in Christ. If you know Jesus and you follow Jesus, you have a destiny. God knows you better than you know yourself. He has a calling on your life. In fact, many callings on your life because lots of times we mess it up. One passage of scripture that has been very refreshing to me is where he talks about that the call, of, that the call and the gifts of God, I'll, I'll read it so I don't mess it up. In Romans eleven twenty nine, it says, For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. What does that mean to you when you hear that? Because there are many who walk out their life and don't use their gifts and don't use their calling. I believe that applies to the one who, who, like Oswald says, who has trust their life in the hands of God. There is a thing called free will. There is a thing called free choice. God's will for your life does not always happen. Let's be clear about that. Does he work all things to good for those who love him? I'll share that scripture later. Because I believe he does. But don't be fooled to think that because there's a God, because he sits on the throne, because he is almighty, that his will is going to happen every day. Think about the choices you make every day. If you get up in the morning and you say, God, use me, and you read his word and you seek his counsel then he'll probably use you. But if you get up in the morning and you start taking a drink, or you start looking at pornography, or you start arguing with your wife, or you get in your car and you drive too fast and have an accident, I don't think God's will for your life is going to happen that day. At least that has not been my experience. I don't know about yours. But I want to compare for a minute. We're going to... We're, 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 Finishing part one, Psalm 119.37 says, Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life according to your ways. If that is the draw on your heart today, if you want the Lord to give you life according to your ways, I want you to raise your hand. Sorry for putting you on the spot. You can raise it little if you want to. But put your hand in the air because I want to pray for you real quick. If you want life according to the ways of the Lord, the first step is to have a willing heart and to ask Him. So keep your hands in the air. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you would give us life according to your ways. I pray that you would give us life according to your ways, according to your direction, according to your word, according to our gifts and according to our calling. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Settle down, part two. Part two, let's talk about the family business. Why do I call this the family business? It's interesting. Here, again, we are in election time. We hear a lot about the family business. It's interesting to me how Donald Trump has really encouraged his family into the family business. I grew up in that. I grew up in a family business. My dad always wanted us involved in the family business. I want to encourage you, though, that there's a better family business to think about. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 50, Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. I'll repeat that. Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Therefore, if you want to be involved in Jesus' family business, then do the will of the Father. Let's compare for a moment... What the scriptures say about the ministry of Jesus and our calling into the family business? Let's do that real quick. It says in Luke 3.23 that Jesus began his ministry when he was almost 30 years of age. Even though we know he did some exceptional things as a child. I think going around and teaching Pharisees and answering all these questions that nobody else could answer at the age of 12 and 13 were pretty spectacular Imagine a 13-year-old going to Harvard and teaching him about business, arithmetic, geography, all these topics, and knowing more than they knew about their subjects. Imagine that. Early signs of deity, I would call that. Acts 20:24. 20, I think this is one of Brady T's favorite scriptures. I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry I have received from the Lord, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. The Apostle Paul said that. What did Jesus say about himself? Let's jump to the other side of the page. John six thirty eight. I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. John four thirty four. my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. You see, Christ, God in the flesh, came to this earth and said, I'm going to die to myself. I'm going to do the will of the Father. And he invites us to do the same. He invites us to be caught up in this great work of his and the Father. What is that? Well, just a quick, let's, let's get to the crux of the matter real quick. Let's get to the heart of, of what the ministry is all about. Isaiah 59, 1 through 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. Verse 2 says, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Your sins have hidden his face from you. Your iniquities have caused a separation. Why is that? Why is it that God is invisible to the human eye? Why is it that we don't see him? Wouldn't it be nice if we could just see him? What happened in the Bible any time the angels presented themselves before humanity? They were so awestruck, they fell to the ground in fear. We don't know because we don't understand. When you're deceived about something, you don't know how much you don't know. When you don't know about something, you don't know how much you don't know. And we don't know enough about God, but we know this. He is so powerful and so awesome and so mighty that if he did not have a veil between us and the heavenlies, he's holy. We cannot be in his presence. We can't see his face right now. Until the day that we've been renewed, We're covered by the blood of the lamb But until the day we go to join him In heaven Then you'll get to see him But if you ask to see him right now You don't know What you're asking for So He chose to reveal himself Through Christ The word says that the word became flesh And dwelt among us And then Christ ascended And then To allow himself to be revealed Through us if you don't believe me, then follow along as I share a few more scriptures. <sighs> for this purpose I have raised you up to show you my power, so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. Exodus 9:16. Philippians 2:13. It is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do you get that? We exist for his good pleasure. We exist for his glory. If you look at life, if you look at your wealth, if you look at your time, if you look at your prayers, if you look at your suffering, if you look at your time, if you look at anything in light other than that truth, then your view will be distorted. And you will have this me-centered philosophy on life. However... Going back to the beginning, if you want to be like this arrow that the, law, that the Lord draws back. And it's interesting. That analogy is interesting. This isn't that creative. Most of you have heard that before. But if, as you know, with the old style bows, like a recurve bow or a long bow, the further you draw it back, when you let it go, the further it flies. And I believe that analogy is very applicable to human life. We get stretched and stretched and stretched. But many times, the further we get stretched back by the Lord... Once he's ready to release that arrow to its target, we fly further. I believe that to be the truth. Do you? I believe that to be the truth. Jesus said in John fourteen ten, Do not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. The words I say to you I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. The Father who dwells in Christ does his works. Christ, who dwells in us, does his works. Romans 8, 28. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Most of you are familiar with that scripture, correct? It's a scripture we all like. But let's think about what comes right after that scripture for a moment. To have better clarity on the meaning of that scripture. It says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So when you are conformed to the image of Christ and you live out for his purposes, then he works all things to good for those who love him. But it is according to his purposes. It is according to his purposes. And that might not always be what we think it's going to look like. But getting back to that first early question i asked will you trust your life to the hands of the lord hebrews 8 6 but as as it is christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better since it it enacted on better promises more about the more about the ministry of jesus Matthew 14, 14 says, When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. Much about, the, much about the ministry of Christ was compassionate. I'll talk about that a little bit later when we get to part three, the character, which I'm about to jump into. Colossians three twenty three: Whatever you do, Work heartedly as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Here is a question I have for you. Who is the audience to whom you perform? When you live out your life, do you care about what God sees, or do you care about what humanity sees? I promise you, if you spend your time being overly concerned, it's good to be concerned, it's good to think, how do others see me? The Bible says a good name is worth more than gold and silver. So we should have a good name. Don't misunderstand where I'm going with this. But where I'm going with this is this. If you live your life concerned about your neighbor, concerned about your fellow workers, how you measure up to them, you will never, ever, ever fulfill the purposes the Lord has for you. It is critical that we realize... What that scripture says. John 14, 6. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I want to remind you of that right before I talk about the character of the ministry. The gospel is not an alternative among others. Please hear that if you believe the words of Jesus. If you don't, then you're not of the faith. And that's okay, I still love you. You can believe what you want to believe. You know that? Anyone here can believe whatever they want to believe. But my warning out of love and compassion is that there are consequences for that. Not because I say so, but because he said so. And if he is who he is, then you have to heed his warning. So Jesus said... The gospel is not an alternative. Jesus didn't say this. Reinhard Bronke said this, and I'm saying this. The gospel is not an alternative among others. It is an ultimatum. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. His gospel is an ultimatum. Let's go to part three. I want to talk for a minute about the character of the ministry. I think. This is a very critical section because I think that this is where most of the church gets it wrong. Because the gospel is an ultimatum, many times we carry that loving message, that life-giving message, in a way that does not bear witness to the way that Christ would have us to do it. And let, please let me explain. In Hosea eleven fourteen, it says, I led them with cords of kindness and with bands of love. I became to them as one who eases the yoke on the jaws, and I bent down and I fed them. So I eased their burden, I eased the yoke on their jaws, I loved them, I led them with kindness, I fed them. That is the nature of our Lord. He led Israel, and he would lead us with cords of kindness and love. In Romans 2.4. We learn that God's kindness is meant to lead you toward repentance. Other characteristics of the ministry though. The ministry is not easy. In 2 Corinthians 6. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to read this entire... We put no obstacle in one another's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. As servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love. By truthful speech, the power of God with weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left. I would say... That that passage of Scripture gives us a pretty good definition about what the ministry can look like at times. You ever felt like you were being used by people? I had a dude stop into my hotel one time, drinking away, and ended up soaking almost two weeks of my time <laughs> trying to minister to him, but he's still alive today. It was frustrating when I was going to the inner city two or three times a week sometimes I'd get calls in the middle of the night come on down here we need you for something you get stretched don't you? sometimes you gotta go into places where your life is at risk the Bible says they love their lives not unto death have you ever done that? have you ever loved your life not unto death? and put yourself in harm's way? For the sake of the gospel? For the sake of ministering to and loving others? Have you ever had enough mercy that you were tested in such a way that you were called to present loving kindness towards someone who in every sense of the world gave you reason to hate them and maybe even take their life? I have. And I don't say that in hyperbole. I mean that. There's a man who's committed wickedness on people I love. And I considered for years to take his life. I don't say that lightly. But I didn't, and I couldn't, because the grace and the mercy of the Lord overcame me. In 1 Timothy 4, it says to be a good example in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. You know what really stinks? Sometimes we're the worst example to those that we love the most. Sometimes those who need us the most to see Christ as real in us, all they see is hypocrisy. But there it is. I'm laying it out. That's what the Word says. It is something that we should aim to do. Our speech, our conduct, our love, our faith, purity. Mercy is in God's nature, it says in Titus 3, 4. But when the goodness and the loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. He tells us to welcome the weak in Romans 14, 1. For the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. Have you ever caught yourself doing that? Quarreling over opinions to someone who perhaps their faith was weaker than yours or their understanding of the biblical truth was off? And so you find yourself in the middle of a quarrel that is fruitless? Romans eleven twenty two reminds us another thing about the nature of the ministry. Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Do you hear that? God is not so simple that He is one or the other. God is holy. You cannot dwell before Him in your sin-ridden condition. He is holy and righteous and just. Man is inherently wicked. That is why we need the gospel of Christ. That is why we need to be covered by his blood, forgiven for our sins, so that we can be presented before the Lord, so that we can be reconciled to the Lord, the Bible says. You know, he even offers a warning in that scripture. He says, Severity toward those who've fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness, otherwise you will be cut off. God has a heart for the nations, therefore you should have a heart for the nations. He put in me a love for the Hispanic peoples when I was about 15 years old. I went on a mission trip to Guatemala, then I went again, then I decided I wanted to learn Spanish. Spanish. We barely have a heart for our neighbor, let alone someone from another nation. Do you know? I want you to resonate on this for a second. If there's another people group that really has captivated your heart, maybe it's the Muslims, maybe it's the Chinese, maybe it's people from Sudan. I don't know. But do you know that if you have that, it comes from the Lord? So cultivate that. Pray for them. Pretty soon I'm going to give you the chance to partake. I've got some, uh, I'll get there in a minute, but I've got, some, I've got some little Gospels of John here that are in these little ministry baggies. I want to encourage you all to come up and take some. I, 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 carry, I carry them with me in my pocket pretty much everywhere I go because I always want to be ready to put the Word of God into people's hands. And in here I've got them in English, Spanish, Chinese, and Arabic. I have been in some other languages at home, but do you know why I hit those four mainly? Because they're the big four. You know, a good fisherman is going to put the lures in his tackle box that are going to catch the most fish. In most places you go. For me, I run into people that speak one of those four languages, so that happens to be why I carry those with me. I really want your attention on this one. Please. 2 Timothy 4 verses 1 through 5 says, Preach the word I charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who is the judge and the living of the dead, and by his appearance in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort, and compel with patience and teaching so how just let me stop there for a second how do you re- rebuke people how do you exhort people how do you reprove people if you do it with patience and love and kindness and they really know your motivation is out of that then they're much more willing to receive truth than if you do it because you think you're better than them or out of arrogance or judgmental spirit The time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. Which we're, ne- we're there. Listen to this. See if this doesn't hit the mark. The time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Do you see that? Do you see it at home? Do you see it when your kids come home? And they start sharing things maybe they heard up here. Are they heard out there? Are they hurt among their friends? And they really start challenging the truth that you've tried to raise them up in? They will accumulate for themselves teachings to suit their own passions. Does that not happen today? My passion goes this way, so I'm going to accumulate this truth. This is what I recognize to be truth, and I'm going to follow it, and it is okay. But is it really okay? Listen. I wish, I wish that we could just say, believe whatever you believe, live the life you want to live, it doesn't matter. As long as you don't hurt anyone else, then just do what you want. It sounds good, doesn't it? It sounds good. But is it good? Is it right? Is it righteous? Does it align with the Word of God? As for you, be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of the evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. Let's jump to part four. How am I doing? I'll try to be quick as best I can. Not all members have the same function. You see this little chart I drew up here? Right there in the smack dab in the center is Jesus. Around it are what the Bible describes as gifts, spiritual gifts, giftings. There are more. You know that? You know Nimrod was a great hunter, the Bible says. For those of you who like to hunt, that was a gift from God. He was a mighty hunter, the Bible says. There were mighty men of war in the Bible. There are lots of giftings. I'm sure if you look up here, maybe one or two of those touch your heart. You see that little first, that first picture is like a thumbprint with the cross on it. And I'm, the the point is this, it is in your DNA, you were created, the Bible says in the image of God. Think how creative the Lord is. How many creative people do we have in this room? Raise your hand, Melissa, raise your hand. How many creative people do we have in this room? Raise your hands high. Guess where you get that? In the beginning, the Lord created the heavens and the earth. You get that from your poppy. From your father in heaven. You're made in his image. And you have just a tint of his creativity. Isn't that awesome? That's just one example. So as you look up here. As you look up here, I want you to pray that prayer of Isaiah. I want you to put your hands in the air right now. Come on, work with me. I want you to say, here I am, Lord, send me. Lord, use me. Thank you for the gifts and talents you've given me. Psalm 139 says, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you know that you're fearfully and wonderfully made? I mean, really? Really, do you know that? That you're fearfully and wonderfully made? Because I think there's some people in this room that don't really believe that. In fact, I'm sure of it. I want to remind you, as a servant of the Lord, as one He's called today to share this word, standing before you, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God has made you unique, He's given you a combination of talents and abilities and gifts that no one else has. God has called you to be a world changer. God has called you to do something about this place. Don't wait on the next president. Hope that person will make a difference. Think they can. But listen, it's nothing compared to what you can do every day. Every day. God has called you to first be changed yourself. To be renewed in Christ. To be born again. And then to impact others. For his purposes. In humility, in compassion, in love. Rebuking, exhorting, admonishing. Sharing truth. Serving. Perhaps he's given you a gift of prayer. Or wisdom, or service, or interpretation. Perhaps you're a helper Perhaps you love to help people. Perhaps he's given you the gift of mercy. Perhaps you're a pastor. Perhaps you're a leader. Maybe he's given you the gift of faith. That's an awesome one. I believe we can grow in each one of these gifts. And in fact, I want to share something else. I don't believe that the gifts of God are like a merit badge. I I believe they're like a tool. Reinhard Bonnke talks about that lest we become prideful. He gives out the appropriate tool when you need it. I've seen him do it for me. When someone needed healed, I've seen him do it. When someone needed an interpretation, a word of knowledge, I've seen him do it. When somebody needed the truth priest, I've seen him do it. When I needed to have great strength, I've seen him do it. He even let me be a worship leader for a little while. That was a stretch. So here you are. On the raggedy edge of life, God's holding you in his hands. The Bible says like arrows in a quiver are a man's sons. Whew. Take out this arrow. I'm going to shoot one over here. I'm take this arrow. I'm take old Steve. I'm going to shoot him right over here. Take flight in the name of Jesus. He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for work of the ministry. Do you hear that? It, there's a lot of confusion surrounding that scripture because many times they think that the evangelist is supposed to just be the minister or the pastor or the teacher or the prophet or the apostle. No. He poured out those gifts to equip others to ministry. Do you get that? Romans 12, I would ask you to write that down and read that. I'm not going to go through it all right now. How do you get started in the ministry if you've never really done it or you kind of have, but maybe not to the level you want to? Maybe you're driving a race car in gear one and it's got five gears and you go a lot faster. I shared this with a friend a couple weeks ago, but I'm a paddler. I like to go canoeing and kayaking. If I go downstream, I can put my boat in in Leavenworth and be in Parkville in a couple hours because I can go about six miles an hour on the Missouri River, more or less, if I'm not really trying to bust a hump. Now, if I want to train, I'll turn my boat around and go upstream, and it's a lot slower, a lot slower. I can still move along, but it's a lot slower. I think what happens to a lot of us in life is we get sidetracked in our boats, we're trying to paddle when we're paddling upstream. Whereas if you get in the current that the Lord has for you and you listen and obey and listen to his Holy Spirit, you're gonna move a lot faster. So what are some practical things? John 12, 26 says to follow the example of Jesus. I think that's the most important principle, if you want to call these principles. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, Jesus said. You cannot be a servant of the Lord without following Jesus. You can't be in the ministry without following Jesus. Listen to me, please, on this. You see that? Can you go back to that picture? Notice how smack dab in the center of that little model I made is a picture of Jesus, or is the word Jesus. Everything you do in the ministry must point back to Christ. Otherwise, you're just doing a good work. I've seen that many, many times. I've partnered with a lot of ministries over the years, and I see them feed the poor. No mention of Christ. No gospel given out. No mention of Christ. I saw a man making balloons for the kids one time at Metro North. And he was making these balloons for my boys. He made a sword and a dog and I can't remember what else. And I got one of these out of my pocket. And I said, hey, thanks for your gift. I've got something for you. And I tried to hand him. And he goes, oh, oh, you can keep that. I'm a a Christian. This is my ministry. And I thought, oh, that's awesome. And I walked away. But as I meditated on what I saw, I thought, no, that's not awesome. He was doing a good thing, but he made no mention of Christ. And so I would have walked away not giving glory to God for what he did. I just would have walked away thinking, here's a guy that's got a cool talent and he's being nice to people. You see? you get the difference? There's a great ministry in this city. Sometimes they call me and ask me to go along with them because they know I'll preach and they know I'll pray. And they are supposed to be a gospel ministry. But you can spend time with them and not hear the ministry, not hear the gospel. It doesn't point back to Jesus. You can go rake somebody's yard. And when they thank you, no, say, bless you, thank you. I've given food to people on the street and have them start telling me what a great guy I am. I'm like, no, wait, hold on, hold the phone. I did this because Jesus, who loves you, lives in my heart. I don't want to take the credit. Do you get that? When Braid was with me a few years ago and took his size 13s off and gave them to another guy that was size 13s, you know, we were trying to minister to this guy, or I was. Braid Braid was not with me at that moment. The guy wouldn't receive. Tried to give him food, tried to pray for him, tried to share the gospel with him. And he was angry. He was like this the whole time. But then I looked down and I saw he this was February and there was snow on the ground and he had paper bags on his feet. And I I was going to take my shoes off, but like I'm size nine and he was like this. So I go back to the car and I mentioned that to Braid, takes his shoes off, take them back. What was that guy's name? Take big something. Anyway, I took the shoes back to him. And he starts crying. All of a sudden, the the presence of the Lord shows up. The guy's heart is softened. And he receives what we have to share with him. Do what you do as unto the Lord. When you go to work and you use your talents and you work hard for your boss, which I believe the Christian worker should have the most integrity, the most ethics, the best work ethic... And when you do that, do it as unto the Lord. I'm sitting there in board meetings with all these high-priced executives and I share scriptures. Look for chances to steer whatever you're doing toward the glory of the God. Amen. Stay focused. Timothy 2.4 says no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits. Stay focused. Listen, there are a lot of things going on in this world that are important and I encourage you to get involved and be involved, but don't let that cause you to lose sight of whom you serve and whom has enlisted you. Zeal. Romans 12.11 says don't be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in the spirit. People should look at you and go, man, Why does that Tony have so much energy all the time? Why is he just so full of passion? What is going on with that dude? It's because the Lord lives in you. He empowers you. Pray for others. Write this down, please. Powerful prayer used by Paul. I do not cease to give... It's in Ephesians, I believe. I didn't write the scripture down. It's Ephesians 1:16 through 19, I think. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and... Here it, Here it comes. Put on your seatbelt. What is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might? That's a powerful prayer. Pray that often and pray that for others. Listen to and follow the Holy Spirit. I think this is one of the key things that has impacted my ministry the most over the, over the years. Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Skipping down a few verses, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance. You know, if you're doing whatever you're doing and you sense the Lord tug on your heart in a direction, listen to him, listen to him, obey him. I was out on a business trip one time, and I don't know where my schedule opened up. Literally, I had two or three meetings canceled. I was in, I was in Rolla, Missouri, and I had quoted several pieces of equipment to somebody over near St. Louis, Missouri, to the tune of about a half a million dollars. So I thought I'll go see them and work on this deal. But right when I started to head that way, I got a phone call from a boy who lived in my neighborhood, whose father is a Mormon. They're Mormon family, and I love Mormons. One of my best friends that I grew up with is a Mormon. Anyway, he said, hey, Mr. Rogers, we're moving today. and My daddy said that you said you'd help us move, and I'm four hours away. And I'm trying to go make some money. And I looked at my watch, and I thought, okay, Lord, now I know why you cleared up my schedule. And I said, tell your dad I'll be there by noon. And I left Rolla and I headed in this direction. Funny thing is, two hours later, I got a call from that city that I'd quoted that equipment to that I was going to go visit. They were buying three pieces of equipment and they bought two of them from me. They called me and said, hey, we just wanted to let you know we had our meeting and we're going to process this order and we're going to order this from you and that from you. So they gave me the lion's share of the business. And oddly enough, you think it was an accident I received a call from them? Right Here I'm thinking I'm going to go see them and then I get a call from them because I decided not to, to go serve the Lord. I could tell you a ton of stories like that. Like a few hundred. <clears throat> Listen to the Holy Spirit. Now, here I want to go somewhere. Please give me a little more attention. We're about out of time. The word of God produces faith. Trish, would you start setting these out here for me? Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. You may think, well, this person's not a believer. I shouldn't share scriptures with them. I might offend them. On the contrary. On the contrary. In fact, if you're not getting anywhere when you're talking to someone or listening to what they have to say, I would challenge you to leave them with Scripture. Leave them with the thought. Why? Because in Hebrews 4.12 it says, The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit, of the joints and the marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The truth is powerful. The truth is a hundred times more powerful than a lie. Share the Word of God so abundantly See that picture up there? Sowing all those seeds? Your job is to sow. You don't know if they're going to land on rocky soil or thorns soil or fertile soil, right? You don't know for sure. And I'll get to that. There's a final thought here. But the word of God is powerful. And I'm going to challenge you today. I got about 40 little ministry packets prepared up here with different this is the Gospel of John. In the front of it, it has a nice brief explanation of the gospel message. And then it's one book in the Bible. I was with an incredibly important customer about two months ago in Mexico City. And he was telling me that he really wanted to learn English. And I had one of these in English and Spanish in my briefcase. And I said, well, you know what, Carlos? Carlos. Can I give you something? One of the ways that I has helped me to learn English is I study the word of God, because it's side by side. You've got English and Spanish right next to each other. So it's helped me to learn Spanish. I've got something for you. And I, I set this over at him, not knowing how he would receive it. And he looked at it and he said, wow, this is one of the best gifts I've ever been given. He said that to me. You know, a month later, I took him, a real one, a big one, in leather, English and Spanish, with his name put on the front and a message written. And that blew him away, by the way. I was on an airplane, and we got delayed by about three hours. We we're sitting there on the airplane for three hours. There was a Hispanic man next to me. I had a Spanish one in there. Just took it out and said, hey, if you get bored, you can read this. I kid you not, and I don't exaggerate, so hear me. This happened just two weeks ago. He took this baby and he opened the front cover and he started reading. And about 30 minutes before we landed the plane, he turned the last page and he closed it. He read one of these the entire time. We were waiting there for takeoff and in the two and a half hours we were on that plane ride. He was looking through this for almost four or five hours. So I asked him, what'd you think about what you read? I thought it was beautiful. Did you agree with what it said? Yes, I did. Another time, I was sitting next to a young gal on a plane. And I was doing a teaching on bold, being a bold witness. And here I had this young lady, and I knew the Lord was prompting me to give her the, the gospel. And I didn't want to. I was fighting in the flesh. Oh, she's going to... She was young and she was pretty. And I thought, oh, she's going to think I'm being inappropriate. She's going to misinterpret this whole deal. I'm, I kept making up all kinds of excuses. But literally for an hour, the Lord was pulling on my heart. Give it to her. I knew it. So guess what? She's reading a magazine. I pulled one out of my briefcase. And I put it down on her tray. She had her tray out. And I go, hey, if you get tired of reading that magazine, this is a good read. And I put it down. I kid you not. Immediately. She put the magazine down, and she picked it up, and she read through it quickly, and she set it down. Then she picked it up again, and she read through it more slowly. Then she put it down. Then she picked it up, and she read through it again, very slowly. And She came to the last page, and she had little tears in her eyes. And I go, what do you think about what you read? She said, I think I'm on the wrong path. I said, what do you want to do about it? You ready to give your life to Jesus? Are you ready to confess your sins? Oh, yes, I am. She's blubbering and crying and wailing away on this plane, and she doesn't care who hears her. And she gives her life to Jesus. And the cool thing is, you all know how loud I am. Sometimes that's just because how I am, and sometimes that's a tricky way to do public preaching. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I was sitting next to a Chinese guy. And I didn't have one. I I keep them in Chinese on me all the time and I didn't have it. But he spoke a little English so I gave it to him. On the way down to Guadalajara. Gave it to him. Had this good old talk about Jesus. A week later, I'm in the airport getting on the plane to come back and I hear this little quiet voice find me. Mr. Brady. And I turn around and it's him. And he said, You know that book you gave me? And I said, yep. I read it every night. You did? Give me your address. He gave me his address. When I got home, I sent him one in Chinese. And he sent me a card back. Thank you so much. One time I was at McDonald's. And I like McDonald's because they have two windows instead of one. So you can give out one at each window. (laughs) And I gave one out to this kid. Gave one out to another kid, and then I left. Then later in the week, I came back, and there was this young lady working there. She says to me, you were here a few days ago, and you gave this little Bible book to this boy working the window. Do you remember him? I said, yep. He said, well, he didn't want it, so he threw it down on the ground, but I picked it up. And she said, it's been a really stressful day with me. Because a lot of people didn't show up and I I just got off my break and I pulled this out of my purse today and read this while I was on my break and it gave me peace. Do you think that when you sow the seed, when you sow the word, that you do it in vain, that you labor in vain? I took three of these with me one time to the mall. The first one I gave out, this guy was so disrespectful to me in front of my sons, young whippersnapper. Took every bit of my spiritual manhood. Not seriously now. I'm not kidding. If I wouldn't be a civilized man if I didn't know Jesus. I wanted to reach across there and smack him upside the head for being so outwardly disrespectful to me in front of my sons. But I didn't give up. Gave one out to another guy. And I didn't. I did not hurt him. Didn't harm him. said, okay, God bless you. And I walked away like I should have. Third guy I came to comes up to me, pestering me. He says, hey, do you want to take a survey? I'm like, oh, man. His name was Cody, by the way. I had just lost my mother to brain cancer, by the way. And Cody says, I want to give you a survey. I said, I'll make a deal. I'll, I'll listen to your survey, give you my time, answer any questions you have. But after that, I want five minutes of your time. Deal said okay so I says to him when we get done I said Cody you're a young man I'm about twice your age I've been all over this earth and I've almost lost my life a few times if you were to lose your life tonight do you know what would happen to you and he said no and then we start talking lo and behold his father was in the hospital his father had been struggling with cancer told him about my mom anyway about 30 minutes later Cody surrendered his life to Jesus so, I want to encourage you today, please, come up and take, take, take some of these. You know, there's over a couple hundred little Bibles up here. So in one mighty swoop, I can, we can empower one another to go out and touch people with the word of God. And the thing is this, this is just a start. Listen, when you give one of these to people, then you can have the chance to pray Then you can have the chance to ask questions. Then you can have the chance to share truth. Did you notice the order I did those in, by the way? Ask them questions before you share truth. Don't always presume that you know something that they don't. When you go out every time, you got a choice. Either somebody believes in Jesus or they don't. If they do believe in Jesus, so you have fellowship. And perhaps you stir them in their faith. I have that happen all the time. So... Up here, i got these little packets. Here's some that are for the military and the police. They've got camo, and I'm a chaplain for the police, so I like to minister to the police and look for chances to pray for them and give them a little Bible. So here's some packets for the military and police. Here's some that I just call multinational over here and here. And they've got the scriptures in English, Spanish, Chinese, and Arabic. By the way, if you give one to somebody in Arabic, be very discreet. Be very discreet. And don't, don't be real open with them around their friends and neighbors because they may be risking their life just to take that from you. But we got a lot of Muslims in this country who need to know Jesus, don't you think? I've got, if in fact, if you have a heart specifically to reach Muslims, I've got a couple packs up here that are sp- purely... There's like four or five of them in Arabic only. Same thing with Spanish and same thing with Chinese. But I want to ask you to please come forward. I want to pray over you right now. But I want to ask you to come forward and take some of these. And if you run out, I've got more. But I want to empower you. If you believe in the Word of God and you believe in the power of the Word of God to change people's lives and to penetrate the hearts of humanity, then I would encourage you to come and be partakers today. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you for listening to what I had to share. Let me pray. Jesus, I thank you for the church. I Thank you for everyone here today. I believe there's no one here by accident. I believe, Lord God, that you have called us to a great work. I'm going to share with you all. I told you all about Pastor Brady's scripture. Now I'm going to share with you kind of my life scripture. It's in John 12. Or it's in John 14, verse 12, it says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do, because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. How many of you believe that you can pray for the sick and they can be healed? How many, how many of you believe that, that, that miracles happen today? I see them happen all the time. And I say that not to boast. I boast in the Lord. If I have any boasting, it is in the Lord. But I have seen many times a sick man healed. I've seen violent people become docile. I've seen marriages rescued. I've seen people with addictions surrender their heart to Jesus and be changed. The power of God's word is the only thing that will change this world. Amen. Thank you.